This is Unite and Heal America on KBC 790. This is Matt Mattern, your host, and we've got a great program coming up. Uh, you're listening to um, the uh, Chris Chavez, the Deputy Policy Director, and Bill McGavern, uh, also the Policy Director for the Coalition for Clean Air. And um, I'm glad to have both of you on the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Well, uh, we've talked uh, before and uh, with the Coalition for Clean Air on, on my program, and I wanted to um, talk to you some more about what's going on um, in Southern California and uh, in particular, the South Coast uh, rules for refineries, oil refineries, have changed recently. And um, Bill, why don't you tell us a little bit about how they've changed? I'm actually going to refer that question to Chris because he was our point person on it. Yeah, great. Okay, Chris. Yeah, well, uh, thank you for taking interest in it. Uh, So there was uh, recently a change in the rules governing over oil refineries within Southern California. So as a quick kind of overview, there is, uh, of course, the federal EPA. You have the California Air Resources Board, which is the statewide air quality regulator for California. And then you have these local entities called air districts. And within Southern California, it's called the South Coast Air Quality Management District. And they are responsible for putting in rules uh, and enforcing those rules on facilities within their jurisdiction. So uh, the refinery rule that just passed was in response to a law that was actually passed in 2017 that requires the refineries to install the best available uh, pollution control retrofit devices that they can, uh, you know, that are available to them. And this rule is actually going to be one of the most significant emission reductions uh, in the Southern California Air Basin. Uh, we're looking at about eight tons per day of smog forming uh, uh, oxides of nitrogen, uh, which again is a, 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 a smog forming pollutant. Uh, so what it's looking at, what the school's doing is it's going to set emission standards for about 300 different types of pieces of equipment. Uh, and the refineries are going to have a couple of ways in determining how they comply with those standards. They can either do it more on a per equipment basis or they can do uh, a facility wide cap. Uh, from there, uh, it's going to be based on their schedule when they do maintenance. Uh, it's called a turnaround schedule. And uh, it's this rule is going to be phased in over about a 10 to 14 year period. So the uh, first year, we're actually going to start seeing emission, mostly emission reductions uh, by about 2026. And we're looking at full implementation by 2031. Well, uh, definitely uh, applaud a step in the right direction, though, I guess, uh, after speaking to a lot of uh, guests on the program over the last uh, number of months, uh, a number of people are saying, hey, we need to get to net zero by 2030, uh, not uh, just kind of a a minor reduction. How, How do you respond to that? Well, I think the important thing to keep in mind is that the South Coast Air Basin, the area that folks in LA live in, so really uh, Los Angeles County, Riverside County, San Bernardino County, Orange County, our air 
doesn't meet national air quality standards. So in other words, our air is dirtier than what federal law allows. Uh, and that's obviously a big challenge because that means that we're at higher risk for things like respiratory diseases, cardiovascular diseases, asthma, et cetera. Uh, and there's a real uh, health cost associated with this pollution. So certainly, you know, I think anybody who works in the environmental field wants to see a zero emissions future. However, we need to make sure that we're not delaying the progress we can make today in, 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 in implementing these rules and making sure that we're getting closer and closer to attaining these standards in the long run. I think one important thing also to point out is that this is, isn't a, an agency uh, promulgating rules from above without input from stakeholders. There were actually tons, tons of meetings, uh, both with the environmental community, but also industry, uh, in this rulemaking process. So, uh, you know, a lot, a number of folks were engaged in this. Uh, the refineries were engaged with this. I think it's actually worth pointing out uh, that some of the refineries were actually ended up being supportive of this rule, if you can believe it. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I, I think from our perspective, that meant the rule could have been a lot stronger. But again, at the end of the day, this is actually going to be a significant emission reduction. Well, I guess uh, my concern is, uh, how much is still going to be emitted? We're talking about eight tons a day are going to be reduced. Uh, how much? How many tons per day are being produced or emitted uh, right now? So, for the refineries specifically, we're talking. So they're going currently about twelve point four tons per day. Uh, for all the refineries within the South Coast Air Basin, there are about uh, five or six of them. Most of them are clustered in the communities of Carson, Wilmington, and West Long Beach. Uh, and that will now bring them down by about eight tons per day. But you do bring up a very good point. If you look at all the other sources, including the ports, if you look at things like other uh, pollution sources, uh, it is just a, a small percentage. Uh, and it just shows, it just goes to show how much work we actually need to do to meet those air quality standards. And Matt, if I could jump in there, I think one of the things that you're getting at is in order to solve our twin crises of air pollution and climate change, we really need to phase out of burning fossil fuels altogether. And we know that that will take time. Fossil fuels are embedded in our entire economy, and it's not an easy thing to get out of them. California has taken a number of steps in that direction. We know we need to do more. The rest of the country needs to do a lot more. There's uh, intense political opposition to that. And in the meantime, we need to be taking these kind of steps, interim steps, like reducing the pollution from our refineries and from our trucks and ships and cars. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I do uh, want to emphasize that I applaud that work. I, I just know that uh, our refineries are pretty dirty, having uh, had some litigation with uh, one of the majors and uh, knowing the kind of, uh, you know, the amount of pollutants that are coming out of them on a daily basis is is surprising. And uh, uh, so at the end of the day, even after this is implemented, from my math, if we reduce 12.4 tons a day by eight tons, we're still going to be uh, having them throw off 4.4 tons of uh, pollutants every day into the air. 
right. You know, no, no, you're you're not wrong at all. And uh, no, and I, I I think that underscores Bill's point as far as transitioning away from fossil fuels to cleaner energy. Uh, oh, you know, it and, and as that process moves forward, and again, that is we're just talking about one type of pollution source uh, in our community. There are plenty of others uh, that are also problematic and actually even more problematic than just the refineries. What uh, what do you see as the uh, as other emission sources that are as serious or more serious than than the refineries right now? Well, you know, in California, the great majority of our air pollution comes from transportation. We're, we're moving people, we're moving goods, and burning fossil fuels to do that. We're burning primarily gasoline and diesel fuel, which are the products of those refineries, right? So the, the oil base of our transportation sector is emitting most of the pollution. And, you know, Chris gave a really good rundown of who is in charge of regulating the different sources of pollution. And when it comes to transportation, it's not the air districts, it's the State Air Resources Board and the Federal Environmental Protection Agency. So, you know, we have efforts now underway to reduce the emissions coming from those cars and trucks and ships. And uh, the state is leading the way in a lot of these categories but there's a lot more that we can do. And in addition to transportation, there's some other sources that are known as uh, off-road engines. And California, uh, again, is on the verge of taking a big step there of requiring all small off-road engines to make a transition to zero emission equipment. So on December 9th, the California Air Resources Board will be voting on a measure uh, as they were ordered to by the state legislature and the governor which would require lawn and garden equipment and small gasoline generators to all eventually transition to where the new products being sold are zero emission. And there are, there are good electric alternatives available in most of these categories. So that's something that we're looking forward to coming up just next month. And uh, when, when do you think that the, uh, the uh, sunset period will be for the lawn, lawn and garden and gas generators. Uh. The proposal that the board will be voting on would say that starting in 2024, the lawn and garden equipment would have to be zero emission for the new sales. The existing equipment would not be touched, but for the, the new ones that would be on the market and for generators, they would have until 2028. And then at that point, the new small generators would have to be zero emission. Well, you're listening to Unite and Heal America on KBC 790. Uh, this is Matt Mattern, your host, and we're talking to Chris Chavez and Bill McGavern uh, from the Coalition for Clean Air. And we'll be right back in just one minute. As you may know, your host, Matt Mattern of Unite and Heal America, is also the founder of Mattern Law Group. Their team of experienced employment, consumer, and environmental attorneys are dedicated to leveling the playing field by giving everyone access to the highest quality legal representation. Contact 844-MLG-FOR-YOU. That's 844-MLG-FOR-YOU or 844-654-4968. 844-654-4968. 
You're listening to United to Heal America on KBC 790. This is Matt Matter, your host, and we've got Chris Chavez and Bill McGavern from the Coalition for Clean Air. And uh, gentlemen, just wanted to talk to you about some different pollution sources that we alluded to earlier, uh, one of which is that ships are stacked up off our coast uh, trying to deliver goods to the port of Long Beach and the L.A. port. And uh, my understanding is those ships are belching out quite a bit of pollution into the air. Uh, what are we doing to deal with that problem? Chris? You're, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, it is a problem. Uh, in fact, actually, the California Air Resources Board uh, has found that there's been uh, 20 tons per day increase in form smog, or, uh, smog forming pollutants uh, in the Southern California air. Uh, you also have a 0.5 uh, ton per day increase of diesel particulate matter. And diesel particulate matter is a known carcinogen. It's comprised of over 40 different carcinogenic compounds. So clearly it's not good stuff to breathe. Uh, so there, there, you know, there are you know, the, the impacts from the ships just idling off our coast is, is enormous. I think another thing that's important to remember also uh, when it comes to the ships is that when they're out there, they're not shutting off their engines. They are running on their auxiliary generators uh, to generate power to support the crews who live on ship, the ships to support uh, the functions of the ship, keeping them afloat. And uh, those actually can be dirtier than their main engines. So it is a big problem, it is a concern, uh, as far as what's being done, I think, you know, there, there is a lot, there are a lot of uh, potential, uh, you know, things that can be done that should be done. I think, for example, the, the queuing system that was just announced is actually a positive step, but at the same time, that's only going to, to address, that's only going to be a small step in addressing the problem. Ultimately, what's going to clear out the backlog is clearing out the container backlog of the ports, and that's going to create more room to actually put, you know, get the stuff, you know, get the ships into the berth, taking off their equipment or their, their, their containers, and actually uh, getting that distributed throughout the rest of the country. Forty percent of all U.S. Uh, imports into the United States go through the port of L.A. and Los Angeles. Uh, so a lot of the, you know, goods going into the Midwest. Good chance is that those goods are going right down the 710 freeway, uh, actually pretty close to where I live. I, I live in the western side of Long Beach. Well, I mean, when we think of it in terms of totality of pollution, the ships are throwing off 20 tons a day. The refineries are throwing off 12.4 tons. The ships are out doing them by a factor of uh, uh, 50% or more, 60%. So it's, uh, it's a very serious source of pollution, it seems as though we should be requiring the ships to uh, to come into port with uh, cleaner engines. Does, is that a possibility? Well, there, there has been an effort to push uh, ships towards cleaner uh, fuels, cleaner uh, modes of transportation. Uh, I know actually the Biden administration at the COP26 summit uh, led a delegation in creating some demonstration zero emission ship lanes uh, and actually trying to encourage more clean ships uh, globally, uh, which is a great step. Uh, but it, again, it's kind of a small baby step when you look at the total picture, you know, the big picture of things. 
Uh, so you, you, but you are right there. It is a challenge. I know one of the, the things that ships do have to do, uh, there are two, you know, a couple of things. One, when they're coming across the ocean, they're using a very low grade, dirty fuel called bunker fuel. But when they get within California water, they have to switch to diesel fuel, which is slightly cleaner, but still problematic. The, the other thing that ships have to do, uh, if they support the, the if they have the, the ability to support this, is actually plugging into our electrical grid, the, the, the municipal electrical grid, so that they don't have to run off of their generators when they're docked, which is great. But again, when you, you know, when you, you, the problem is, is that when they're out there waiting uh, at anchor, when they're out there waiting to actually get into the ports, uh, they're again running off of their auxiliary generator. And actually from what we've heard is that the uh, emissions from those ships out there in anchor are actually oh you know are more you know, are emitting more than what that rule uh, has uh, you know what that rule was responsible for reducing. So then, uh, what's the what's the action that the city, the state, the county uh, should be taking in order to address this? Because it seems as though. Um, Sometimes the state and the feds are not really enforcing the environmental laws that are on the books. I mean, uh, I know that certain refineries were emitting uh, more than they're allowed to do. And the, essentially, the uh, federal government was doing little to nothing to uh, curtail that. Um, and kind of as a follow up to that, uh, I, I assume you guys have heard of uh, essentially uh, these these groups that are proposing that local communities should enact laws saying that they their citizens have a right to clean air because essentially the current uh, laws that are written are federal laws or state laws that allow us the right to have moderately polluted air uh, and and that uh, the laws essentially allow for certain levels of pollution that are deemed within reason. Uh, and so we as citizens do not have the right to have clean air or clean water. We have the right to have mild, you know, moderately polluted air and water. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, in, in, what, in terms of what EPA or the state can do it, with ships, is admittedly it's, it's typical because a lot of those ships are based in other countries. Uh, and they uh, are subject to those countries' rules. And uh, so it is a challenge. I think what, you're, what we have been looking at is how do you clean up the operations that take place on the ports? So right now, locally, the South Coast Air Quality Management District is in the process of either negotiating with the ports for a voluntary emission reductions plan, an MOU, or uh, they're considering potentially doing a rule similar to what they did with warehouses in which the, the ports have to take actions to reduce pollution from the things that emit pollution at the port. So we're talking cargo handling equipment, trucks, things like that. Um, the environmental community has been very firm on wanting an actual rule rather than voluntary agreements. Um, and right now there was actually just a hearing this past Friday uh, at South Coast AQMD on this issue and the ports are not you know they they are still in this position of kind of 
wanting to draw things out from our perspective uh, and, and delay this as long as possible. Um, the Port of Long Beach has made slightly, and I do emphasize slightly, more progress in their negotiations in the Port of LA. So you're even seeing disagreement amongst the ports on how to best approach the situation. Well, what's your uh, what's your opinion on on how to best deal with this uh, situation to reduce the amount of pollution coming from the ports? Well, it's uh, it is going to be a challenge, uh, and there's really no easy silver bullet. It's going to take a number of different approaches. Uh, one, you know, supporting those cleaner ships, like what we've seen from the administration, from what uh, you know, trying to get those deployed out as soon as possible. Uh, supporting clean cargo handling equipment is going to be vital because those are primarily diesel-based. Turning over the trucks that are servicing the ports uh, is also going to be important because those trucks have a very heavy, a very strong localized impact in the communities where they operate. Uh, and then also looking at the rail yards too, because rail yards are a significant source of pollution. Um, there's some question as far as how, you know, when people think of the trains, uh, that that might be a more efficient option, but there's also a question of how much those trains emit, because in some cases they could actually emit more. Bill might have some more thoughts on this as well. Yeah, you know, we ultimately need an international movement to clean up shipping, because unfortunately the rules for international shipping are set by a body called the International Maritime Organization. And we need for them to require all the ships to eventually clean up. And that could mean using a green source like hydrogen to power the ships on those ocean voyages. Uh, hydrogen also might be a solution for locomotives, which are another heavy duty transportation mode that is going to be very difficult to power by batteries. Might be possible, um, but it might be that hydrogen will be a better option for those kinds of uh, transportation modes. Well, I'm certainly a proponent of hydrogen and uh, have a hydrogen car, though I haven't seen enough uh, real movement in this direction. And it, it seems as though government has to set some standards in order to, to get the market moving in that direction. And as long as the market can use dirty fuel, it will because it's cheaper and, and the market will always choose the cheaper option absent a firm direction from the regulators. And uh, I guess uh, we're just going to come to the end of this segment, but we we'll right back in just one minute and, and Bill and Chris can talk to us about what uh, actions can be taken so that we can have uh, greener ships on the waters that would not pollute our, uh, our fair city with uh, 20 tons of pollutants every single day. Uh, that's something to think about. So you're listening to Unite and Heal America. This is Matt Matter, KBC 790. We'll be back in just one minute. You're listening to Unite and Heal America on KBC 790. This is Matt Matter. I'm talking to Chris Chavez and uh, and Bill McGavern regarding uh, clean air here in Southern California. They're with the Coalition for Clean Air. And uh, I was just uh, wanting to clarify something I had said right before the break uh, regarding the ships. They are 
producing about 20 tons of pollutants as they're sitting out uh, waiting to get into their births, uh, obviously that's in addition to uh, pollution that comes from the time they're sitting in the births. They're not pollution free, uh, though they are uh, plugging into the grid to reduce the amount of pollution. Um, when are they supposed to have fully implemented that uh, procedure so that all ships are plugging in when they get into port? And uh, are they currently in violation of uh, the rules that are in play right now? Um, it, it's, a, it's a staged implementation. So I don't remember what is the, the final timeline on that, but they're progressively having to uh, have more of the trips be served by, by ships that are plugging in at the docks and, and more of California's ports and different kinds of vessels are being covered. So for example, oil tankers have not in the past been covered by this rule, but they will in the future. And that was something that the oil industry fought against very hard. Uh, so that will get better. Uh, compliance has been fairly good, although unfortunately, Governor Newsom has waived the rules when we've had tight electricity uh, and has said, well, they won't have to plug in and they can keep burning that, that dirty diesel fuel. So, um, you know, when we have extreme heat, which of course is caused by climate change, then electricity gets tight and sometimes the air quality standards get sacrificed. That is, uh, that is very unfortunate that we're getting slammed uh, in both directions uh, when that occurs. Um, in terms of uh, the transportation sector, which we had uh, talked about a little bit before, and maybe we can turn some more attention to, because uh, as Bill, you said, 80% uh, of our our particulates that we're breathing in that are harmful to us are c probably coming from that sector. Um, what What's the uh, current status is to our efforts to reduce pollution in that sector, and are we on track to get to uh, net zero anytime soon? Well, I think Americans have recently become very aware that when we talk about transportation, it's not just about moving people, it's about moving goods. And so we've got these supply chain bottlenecks, we've got all these goods that come over on ships, and we've been talking about how our ports are so congested that they're backed up off the coast. Once they finally unload that cargo, it goes onto trains or mostly onto trucks. And those trucks are almost all burning diesel fuel, which as, as Chris has mentioned, is, is toxic. Diesel exhaust is toxic to human health. So there's a lot we need to do to clean those up. And something that's exciting is on December 9th, I mentioned the Air Resources Board will be meeting and they'll be voting on the small off-road engines. There's another even bigger measure they'll be voting on to reduce pollution from old trucks. And that is to finally have the kind of smog check program for big trucks that we've had for decades for our cars. And I think a lot of our listeners will be shocked to find out that even though when a car, once it reaches a certain age, has to go in for smog check, trucks don't have to do that. Well, we're, we're going to make them. Uh, Coalition for Clean Air sponsored a law that was authored by Senator Connie Leva 
and it told the Air Resources Board to develop this truck smog check program, and they'll be voting on it at this uh, board meeting on December 9th. Now, we've been talking about tons per day of pollution. This one, by 2031, would reduce 72 tons of oxides of nitrogen every day statewide in California. So this would be the biggest measure that California has adopted to reduce air pollution in over a dozen years. And it's, it's vital that the board does this, and we wanna make sure that all the trucks are having to report their emissions so that if there's a part that is faulty, uh, it will have to be repaired. This is basically an inspection and maintenance program, just like we have with cars for smog check, only it will be done with much um, more modern technology. Uh, and the truckers won't even have to go to a smog check station because for most of them, they have computers on board that can just transmit that information to the Air Resources Board. Well, that is, uh, that's great and uh, a good step in the right direction. I guess um, kudos to, to you guys for, for pushing that forward. And we need to then go further, of course, and get out of diesel altogether when it comes to fueling our trucks. And so uh, last year, the Air Resources Board did adopt a rule, um, the first in the country, and other states are already starting to follow it, to require the truck manufacturers to sell some zero emission trucks. And those can be powered by battery electricity, they can be powered by hydrogen fuel cell electricity and emit no pollution from the tailpipe. Uh, next year, we are advocating that the board adopt rules so that the fleets that buy the trucks would also be held responsible so that over time, they would have to have an escalating percentage of their purchases be zero emission trucks. And, uh, you know, it, it, we've talked about how we need to get off of fossil fuels and uh, trucks are where a huge percentage of the pollution in California is coming from. So we urgently need to clean those up. What's, uh, what's your estimate as to the amount of pollution that's coming from our truck fleet in California? It's, a, it, it's about half of the pollution that's coming from on-road sources is coming from heavy duty trucks, a little over half, even though they're only 3% of the vehicles on the road. So that gives you some sense of the uh, importance of cleaning up heavy-duty trucks. That is staggering that uh, three percent of the vehicles are causing over half the pollution. Um, so in terms of um, uh, you know support that uh, those of us in the community can give uh, to uh, to this measure that's going to be voted on in 12-9 and December 9th, uh, what, uh, what can we do to make sure that this gets adopted and, and becomes uh, the new rule? Well, you know, the board is conducting all its proceedings by, by Zoom and people can make public comments. Uh, and you don't go on camera, it's just audio. You get up to three minutes to give your comment. People can get more information by going to arb.ca.gov and look up the December 9th meeting. Uh, they haven't posted the agenda yet, but they, they will. Uh, and people will be allowed to, to sign up 
to make comments and just to, to call in briefly to ask the board to pass this rule. And the one area where we're asking it to be strengthened is right now they would have the truckers reporting twice a year. Uh, and we think it should be four times a year because if a part fails, for example, a month after the last report, we don't wanna go five months before that problem is caught and fixed. If we have quarterly reporting, we'll catch more of those. And in fact, uh, the board staff themselves estimate that uh, over 460 additional lives would be saved if we did the quarterly reporting. Uh, and that's by the way, the estimate is that from 2024 to 2050, this rule would save over 7,000 lives, uh, as well as thousands of hospitalizations that would be avoided. So it, it's really key from a public health perspective. Sure. Can you repeat that uh, web address for the audience? That's arb.ca.gov. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, definitely want to post that so that uh, our listeners can go in and check that out and add their comments to, to let the board know that uh, we want to have very stringent regulations to protect uh, all of us from pollution that is very damaging to us. As you said, these uh, trucks are emitting diesel, which is toxic and carcinogen, has uh, loaded with carcinogens. Uh, we, we should be protecting ourselves from this. Uh, 460 additional lives saved uh, is, is a lot of people. So uh, we appreciate the, the work that you are both doing on this front because uh, it obviously is, is helping save people's lives and uh, that's, that's uh, great work. So uh, you're listening to KBC 790. This is Unite and Heal America. This is Matt Matter. We're going to be right back after the break and we're going to be talking to Bill and Chris more about things that can be done to clean up our air so that all of us can uh, breathe a little more easily here in Southern California and help uh, solve this problem of global warming. Uh, for that we are all are facing so we'll be back in just one minute you're listening to unite and heal america on kbc 790 this is matt matter your host i'm listening and i'm talking to chris chavez and bill mcgavern regarding uh clean air issues here in southern california and uh, in particular, just kind of going back to the issue of the trucks and and how we are in a situation where the trucking industry and is causing 50% of our transportation pollution, what can we do to clean up those trucks and, and get the older polluting uh, diesel trucks off our roads and get uh, clean air, zero emission trucks uh, as the order of the day since three percent of uh, they're only three percent of our vehicle population yet are causing over 50 percent of the pollution and, and most of that pollution comes from the older trucks and something that that california needs to do is to require that when trucks reach the end of their useful lives that they can no longer operate on our roads and that would be a big pollution reducing health protecting measure. So that's something that we're asking the California Air Resources Board to do. You know, the, the trucking industry and the oil industry are both very powerful lobbies 
in California, and that has really slowed our progress towards fighting pollution. Well, uh, last I checked that uh, our citizens are the ones that are supposed to be running the government, uh, though uh, certainly we see a lot of big businesses uh, getting an outsized voice, an outsized, uh, outsized voice in our affairs. And uh, we, we certainly all have to be engaged to, to make sure that these changes happen. And uh, so to the extent that uh, people can uh, work with your organization or organizations like yours to let their voices kind of be magnified uh, in Sacramento and Washington so that um, the, the powers that be recognize that uh, they're going to face consequences if they don't listen to us. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you and I both studied constitutional law at one point, and uh, that's the way the process is supposed to work. <laughs> That's the way it's supposed to work. Well, we all have to engage with it. And I think that, uh, you know, many of us, myself included, was pro were probably not engaged enough over the last uh, number of decades. Uh, not that I didn't care at all, but I probably should have uh, been more concerned than I was uh, based upon the threats that were in front of us and, and uh, those of us who were reading about it, could see the writing on the wall that uh, we were facing a, an existential crisis, uh, but unfortunately weren't, we weren't acting as though we were. And so I think it's time for us to start acting as if we were versus pretending that somehow it's not going to occur. Well, I think to your point, you know, there's, um, when we talk about air pollution, we talk about climate, when we talk about public health, it, it can almost be intimidating for people to jump in because there's a lot of scientific terms, there's a lot of uh, regulatory, there's a lot of legal uh, issues. And I think what's ultimately important is making sure that when, if, if this is something you're, you're passionate about or care about, it's just letting your elected officials know that this is something that you want to see action on. It's not, you know, you don't have to get into the finer points and the minutia of it what they want to know at the end of the day, and I, I used to be a legislative staffer, is what is what's the thought, what's the pulse, what's the feeling it, amongst my constituents? And I think that's really what needs to get across from folks is that as intimidating as it may seem, as big as it may seem, what's really the most powerful example that you can pull from is your personal experience. So again, I, I live in West Long Beach, which is a highly polluted community. We have the refineries, the trucks, et cetera. And the most effective advocates, some of the most effective advocates I've seen have been able to connect these policy issues with their daily life, with the things that they experience, either in terms of quality of life or health, or even deaths in the family. Uh, it, you know, it's obviously a very, very concerning, very distressing. So being able to, to draw from that or speak in support of the folks who do live in that, I think is, uh, is what the elected officials need to hear. And also, in terms of how people can engage, Coalition for Clean Air organizes uh, California Clean Air Day. And we ask people to take steps to reduce air pollution on Clean Air Day, which is the first Wednesday in October, but also all year round. And people can get more information by going to our website at ccair.org. That's great. And uh, we would... We would love our listeners to engage with uh, your organization and, and other organizations that are concerned about cleaning up our environment. Uh, 
and that's the first step towards uh, this getting cleaned up, I believe. Uh, Bill, you were talking uh, earlier about the transportation sector and maybe some of the uh, good things that are happening and as well as some of the challenges and where we stand now uh, in, in switching to more zero emission vehicles. Yeah, I mean, really, we need our state and federal governments to tell the auto companies to clean up their acts. And that means both in terms of selling more zero emission vehicles and also reducing the pollution from the combustion cars that they're still selling while we're on the way to making that transition fully to zero emission. And that starts with the US EPA setting the clean car standards uh, and California's Air Resources Board also has the ability to set clean car standards that are stronger than the federal government's. And we've done that in the past and have led the whole nation. Other states then can follow our standards and over a dozen are, are doing that. So we really need both the US EPA under the Biden administration and the California Air Resources Board under Governor Newsom to push hard for the auto uh, companies to meet these zero emission requirements and, and to ramp that up quickly. You know, we can't wait until 2035. We need from in, in this decade to get a majority of the new cars sold being zero emission. In fact, I think by 2030, we ought to get to 70 or 75% that are zero emission. Really quickly to, to Bill's point. Where, I think where are we at? Go ahead. I was going to say to, to Bill's point, uh, California has actually been regulating uh, emissions longer than the federal government. Uh, we started a couple of years before the federal government started, uh, I believe, actually under Governor Reagan, uh, uh, which uh, you know may surprise people, just as uh, you know, President Nixon was the one that signed the EPA into law, so or into existence. So you know, this really is a, a you know a bipartisan issue because this affects everybody's public health, regardless of what their political affiliation is. Right. And in terms of where we're at with the California Air Resources Board, uh, it would what actions do you uh, think we should be taking, Bill, to, uh, to increase those standards um, from where they're at right now? So the, the board has been working on what are called the Advanced Clean Cars 2 standards. And initially, they were expected to adopt those this year, but they've delayed it until next year. So we're really pushing for them to strengthen those standards and to, to ask more of the auto companies. The, the existing standards go through 2025. And so we need for a real ramp up in 2026 and beyond, Governor Newsom has said by 2035, all new sales will be zero emission, should be zero emission. That doesn't happen uh, until the Air Board actually sets the standards. And we want them to really get the work done in 26 to 2030 and not rely too much on backloading it in the later years. Because we know when it comes to solving our climate crisis and our air pollution crisis, Time is not on our side. We need to move quickly. So in terms of the new rules that uh, you're proposing that they adopt, uh, what would be kind of the rough outline of the new standards that you uh, would suggest they adopt? 
We would say in, in 2026, have over 40% of the new cars be zero emission. Uh, by 2030, get it to 70, 75%. And then in the meantime, for the remaining portion, there are still combustion vehicles. Let's reduce the greenhouse gas emissions, as well as the particulate matter that is allowed to come out of the tailpipes of those cars. What's our current uh, position and what, what percentage of our new cars are zero emissions in California right now? About 10%. Okay. So we've got a pretty long way to go. We do. And, you know, in addition to the cars, we need to give people ways to charge and fuel them. So you mentioned you have a hydrogen car. We definitely need more fueling stations for hydrogen, not only cars, but also buses and trucks, which, you know, we can clean up with hydrogen fuel cells. Uh, and when it comes to battery electric cars, we need to build out those charging stations so that it's uh, convenient for people to charge wherever they're on the road. Well, currently, is there any uh, standard from uh, the California Air Resources Board for trucks and getting a percentage of them to zero emissions and, and uh, what, by what time period? Yeah, the, the rule was adopted last year and the first requirements kick in in 2024. So the manufacturers are given several years lead time because they have to do their product planning and this will be a, a big change for them. And uh, there are different percentages for different categories of trucks. But uh, for example, delivery trucks where we already have electric trucks that are, that are out on the roads, you know, we know that that works, it's already happening. They can charge in one place where they go back uh, to their, their homes. Um, and, you know, that will ramp up more quickly than it would say for the big rig tractor tra trailers. Okay. Well, you've been listening to uh, Unite and Heal America and uh, been uh, talking to uh, Bill McGavern and, uh, and Chris Chavez regarding cleaning up our air here in Southern California. And, and uh, they've, they've done a lot of great work with the Coalition for Clean Air here in, in Southern California and uh, certainly has a national impact as well. And uh, greatly appreciate the work that uh, your organization is doing and both of you are doing. And uh, we look forward to uh, hearing more from you in the future as uh, we delve further into uh, what we can do to improve our environment here in California. So uh, please visit uh, their website and uh, you know, volunteer, join this movement to uh, clean up our environment. Thanks, everybody, and uh, join us next week on KABC 790. This is Matt Matter signing off. As you may know, your host, Matt Mattern of Unite and Heal America, is also the founder of Mattern Law Group. Their team of experienced employment, consumer, and environmental attorneys are dedicated to leveling the playing field by giving everyone access to the highest quality legal representation. Contact 844-MLG-FOR-YOU. That's 844-MLG-FOR-YOU or 844-654-4968. 844-654-4968.